Praise the Lord, saints. How are you? You are the hungry people of the Lord and the on-time people of the Lord. <laughs> well, you know what? After today, you won't even want to eat because you'll be filled with the, the Spirit of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> well, people will be coming as they come, so don't look down on them because you never know what they had to go through to get here, right? So let's pray. We're going to get started. So, Father, we thank you that as we come together to receive your word, we thank you that it will enrich our hearts and our lives and be an enlightenment and an encouragement to us. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor ahead of time with what we're going to receive, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name, and all agreed said, amen. Praise the Lord. So this is our second mini-series with Jacques, and uh, I, I spoke uh, at our Christian business partners. I said, what amazing words that proceed out of her mouth. And I said, you guys know where that came from? <laughs> it came from the Bible. They talked about Jesus who was filled with the Spirit. So I found out it's in Luke 4.22 for those that need to know. But anyway, so let's welcome Jacquees as she teaches us on our identity and purpose in Christ. Wonderful. Oh, there I am. Check. Microphone is working. Good evening. I was about to say good morning because I usually address people in the morning time, but good evening to each and every one of you. I sound like I'm echoing. Uh, maybe it's just me. A little bit, okay, so I'll just keep talking and they'll work it out. Um, so again, thank you so much for having me. It's good to see some returning faces and some new faces. I've gotten a chance to uh, introduce myself to most of you and uh, hopefully uh, when it's over, if you need to uh, take a moment to come up, please do so and introduce yourselves. And like Pastor said, hopefully as the night goes within the next few minutes, we'll get some more folks trickling in here. But it's nice to have a nice intimate session, you know, and um, I believe that whatever, he said, you know, you never know what people go through to have to get here. And I just think it's really, you know, important to recognize the sacrifice that you made to be here tonight. And I know that if you come expecting to receive from the Lord, he will meet that need for you. So I'm expecting uh, to receive. Again, this is a, a mutual benefit that I get to uh, enjoy with you guys to be up here because as I'm teaching you, God is teaching me and his presence is here. And I was talking earlier to Tony, you know, and we were just saying how what greater gift is there than to have the Lord with us, you know, and that's just amazing because he is beyond words. So um, again, it is my awesome pleasure to stand before you tonight. I pray the Holy Spirit uses me to speak a word to you that will help you leave better than you came here tonight. And uh, so for those of you uh, who have been with us in the past, you know that I'm really big on the academics of this, so you might want to take a few notes. I've practiced a little bit with my slowdown, so hopefully I'm not running through the information too fast for you. But with that being said, we do have a, a PowerPoint to kind of keep us on track for tonight. So who's ready to get started? I'm ready. I am ready to get started. Tonight we are going to be talking about your identity and your purpose in Christ. Actually, that's the whole series that we're going to be talking about. So we're going to break that down a little bit into four different parts. And so tonight is going to be a focus of your identity in Christ. So we're going to break that down. And with 
that being said, I am going to get started by asking a very simple question. Why is it so important that we are all here tonight to learn about our identity? What's the big deal? So the question is, on the first slide, if we go, it says, what's so important? Why is it important for us to know? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay, so we have to know so that we can be content with where we're going and what we're doing, right? For ourselves, absolutely. So it's interesting, when I asked this question um, in a previous class, I said, why is it important that we know our identity? And I had a representative who uh, is in the business of selling um, its uh, legal shield. And you know their tagline is, you know, identity theft. These are out there trying to steal your identity. And I thought, that's it. The enemy is trying to steal our identity, and that's why we need to know who we are, right? Identity theft in this day and age is huge, absolutely huge. And biblically speaking, though, when we ask why is knowing our identity so important, the scripture says in Hosea 4.6 that my people, this is God speaking, he says my people are destroyed for a lack of, of knowledge, right? Because if you don't know who you are, the enemy will lie to you about who you are, right? So that's the first thing. Hello. Okay. That's the first thing that we need to recognize is that without the knowledge of who we are, we fall victim to the deceptions of the enemy. You guys remember that saying growing up, and they probably still say it today, oh, what you don't know won't hurt you, right? Ooh, that is a lie, 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 lie because what you don't know can hurt you, right? It is so important for us to know God's word, and that's why we're here tonight, and that's why we're going to go through a few scriptures to help us identify who we are in Christ so that we have that knowledge, because knowledge is power when we execute on it properly, right? So not only is the question who we are, excuse me, why is our identity so important, the question then is, who are you, right? So Pastor and I are part of a networking group where every week we get together and we stand up and we say, who, they say, tell us who you are. And we stand up and I might say, my name is Jacquees Edmonds and I am a life coach. So I've identified myself, right, by name and by title. Isn't that what most of us do, right? Who are you? Oh, I'm a mom. Who are you? I'm a doctor. Who are you? right? I'm a teacher. I'm a pastor. So these titles, we identify ourselves with titles and roles all of the time, and I think it's very important that we ask ourselves, who does God say we are? Because that's what's important. Those things that we identify ourselves with in the natural, those are influences or components and characteristics of who we are, but let's use this tonight to go a little bit deeper. So, tonight we're going to examine your identity as it pertains to three specific areas. When you guys leave here tonight, you are going to know who you are, what you have, and what you can do 
as a believer and a child of God. Anybody want to know who they are, what they have, and what they can do, right? I do. I do because, again, I don't want to be uh, lacking in that knowledge. And, again, who God says I am, what he says I have, and what he says I can do is what's most important to me. So those are the areas, and we're going to get started. I have them numbered for you guys, so I'll try not to get ahead of myself. If, um, I just have that numbered so that you guys can follow along with me. But the first thing that I want you guys to know as we start here tonight on our identity is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a Christian, you say that God is your Savior, Jesus is your Lord, the first thing that you need to know is that you are a child of God. Now, most of you might say, yeah, I know that. I'm a child of God. Yes, of course I am. That's obvious. Like, why would you have to point that out, right? The reason why I point that out, ladies and gentlemen, is because I think we treat that too casually sometimes. Do you know that being a child of God is the highest honor that he could bestow upon us? Out of all of creation, we are the most important to him. You are a child of the most high God. That is not to be devalued, and that's why I started, number one, with helping you guys to remember that when you say, I am a child of God, there is honor, there is power in that, and I don't want you to ever underestimate what it means to be a child of God. And it's really important because you may or may not think of it this way, but scripturally, it's an honor because not everybody is a child of God, right? Everyone is a creation of God, absolutely. He created everyone, but only those who have accepted him as Lord and been adopted back into the family does he consider to be his child. And I don't know about how many parents are in here, but I'm a parent, and I know when I have children that there's an inheritance that they get as a result of being my child. So you, as a child of God, there is an inheritance on your life. And it's a good one, because that inheritance comes from heaven, and we all know what's in heaven, right? So it is a blessing to be called a child of God. Now, some of the... Um, Points that I have here have accompanying scriptures, and just for the sake of time, I may not read all of them, but I will give them to you if you want to jot them down. So with regards to being a child of God, there's a lot of them in there, but there's one that I wrote down, which was John 1.12, okay? And that was just the emphasis between being a child of God and a creation of God, and that came from John 1.12. So... A lot of times when people ask me who I am, especially if I know I'm in a faith-based environment, I am a daughter of the king. You are a son of the king. And that's the first thing that I relate myself to. Then I might say, oh, and, and by the way, I'm a mother, you know, and I'm a teacher, and I'm a, you know, a, a friend, and all those other good things. But who I am first and foremost is a daughter, and who you for are first and foremost is a child of God. Is everybody accepting of that first point there? Are we in agreement with that one there? All right, very, very good. So with that being said, let's look at number two. Number two, it says who you are in Christ. You are a saint and a royal priesthood. 
Now, I didn't make this disclaimer in the beginning, but I want to remind myself to say this now. These are not my opinions, okay? This is why I said I'm going to give you guys scripture, because there's going to be some things that I'm going to say tonight that for some folks, probably not for this group here, but for some folks, it might be a little controversial, you know, because again, there's a lot of religious opinions out there and a lot of religious philosophies out there. And that's why I like to give you guys scripture support for what it is that I give to you from this platform here. And according to scripture, God says that all of his children are priests. All of his children are saints. Now, let me clarify this for you guys, because again, we're all at different levels of our maturity and our understanding, and I get that. But it's true that according to scripture, and that's in Romans 3.23, you know, we were all born sinners into this world. No doubt. We were all born sinners. But once we made that choice, remember how we said we're all children of God? When we made that conscious decision to accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, he now considers us to be saints. Saints meaning set apart from the sinners. Okay, now, this doesn't mean that we are sinless, right? But it does mean that as believers, we will sin less. You guys get that distinction there, okay? So this is not saying that, oh, well, of course we're all sinners, you know? And I'm not talking about the behavior, I'm talking about the identity, okay? There's a difference. I, have, I always teach about separating a person's behavior from who they are. So yes, as Christians, we sin, absolutely. But our identity, as far as who God sees us as, he no longer sees us as sinners as far as our nature is concerned. He considers us saints. When Paul was writing to the churches in the New Testament, he opened up in Corinthians and Galatians to the saints of God. He didn't say to the sinners of God, right? So again, for the purpose of this class and this teaching, we're not going to be able to get too deep into it, but I just want to lay a foundation to set on your heart for you to be able to go and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to give you revelation about what his word says you are, okay? So let that sink in for you, that you are a saint of God. You have been set apart and sanctified for his righteousness, okay? And he says you are a royal priesthood. And I did a little research before I came in here about that word priesthood because, again, not to get into any kind of religious debate or anything, but the main essence of what that word meant in, like, dictionary form was someone who had direct access to the Father or someone who could intervene on behalf of the people or someone who did certain sacrifices or, you know, certain rituals on behalf of the people to God. And, again, as a New Testament believer, we now have all of that access directly ourselves. So again, that's why he considers you to be a priest, because you can go to him directly. And keep that in mind, because that point is going to come up later on tonight when we get to what we have, okay? So I just wanted to make that point for number two, that whenever you hear someone say, and even if you yourself sometimes by habit have said, oh, well, I'm just a wretched old sinner, and, you know, these, these sayings that we hear, it's just not biblically sound. And my job is just to help us mature and elevate because those little things are what the enemy is using to get us trapped and, you know, get us 
deceived into things. It's our, it's our mouths that sometimes those little things. So um, it's really important that you see yourself as set apart and chosen with direct access. So that's number two. You are a saint and a royal priesthood. Number three, you guys are familiar with some of these here. The scripture says that you are a what? New creation. A new creation in Christ Jesus. I love this because so many of us have been haunted, right, by our past. You know, it doesn't matter what age we are. There's always something in our past that's lurking, trying to attach itself to our identity and saying, you know what? You thought you were saved. You say you're a Christian, but look at what you did last week. Look at what you did last night. Are you sure you're sa-? Listen, your response when those thoughts come to your head, right, is like, nope, wait a minute. I am a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And as far as God is concerned, that's what he sees. So that's what you continue to declare over and over and over again until those behaviors line up with the word, okay? So think of yourself as a new creation. So from those, from number two um, and number three, I have a couple scriptures here. I have 1 Corinthians 1, 2, and this is just for you to jot them down to go back and read. Romans 1, 7, and 1 Peter 2, 9. Okay. And the scripture I... Go back. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, Romans 1, 7, 1 Peter 2, 9. And then the scripture about becoming a new creation is in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. So you can go back and read that. Okay. Now, who you are. Number four. Again, something that seems so simple that we read all the time. You are his beloved. And you might think, again, why would you point that out as something so important to our identity? Because... Beloved, when I asked the Holy Spirit to give me revelation about what that meant, you know, you're not just his loved, you are his beloved. What he deposited in my heart that I'll give to you guys tonight is that you were created to be loved by him. And I thought, oh, that is so good. That is so good. You were created to be loved by him. So again, when those thoughts come into your head that tell you anything else other than that you are loved, you can tell that lie to go right back to the pit of hell where it came from, okay? Because God says that you are his beloved. Not only are you his beloved, you are his masterpiece, which is number five, okay? Masterpiece, right? You know how we always like to talk about in our humanness how imperfect we are, right? Well, to an artist, right, when they make something, they create something, to them, it's perfect, you might not be able to see it as perfect because you see, oh, wait, there's a flaw here and there's a flaw there and there's, you know, you missed this spot here. But to that creator, that is their masterpiece. And you are God's masterpiece. So in his eyes, you are made perfect. Again, all of these things I point out for a reason because I know firsthand the tricks of the enemy and the attacks that he likes to come against our identity. And once I learned the knowledge and then accepted it, 
most of you guys know who I, I can get a little rowdy when the enemy comes out, and I'm like, no, I'm not having it. I'm not having it because I have this, 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 and this of what God says, that I am his masterpiece. Not only that, number six says, I am the apple of his eye. And again, we've all heard that, right? We've heard it in the world. We've heard it from the Bible. We've heard it in church. But when I learned from a demonstration that someone did about what the apple of his eye really means, again, it gave brand new revelation to my identity in Christ. The apple of your eye, your human eye, is your pupil, okay? Now, if I were to come over here, and it's Andrew, right? If I were to try to touch your pupil with my finger, what would happen? Uh, ouch, yeah. Ouch would happen right? But before ouch could even happen, his eye is going to have a reaction to what I'm doing, okay? So the pupil, which is the apple of the eye, is protected because if, I, if you try to touch your eye, your eyelid is going to instantly close up. It's going to close up, right? Even if you try to do your own, it's going to close, right? So as God's apple of his eye, anything or anybody tries to touch you, God's going to close up on that thing, right? And he's not going to be able to get to you, okay? So when things are coming after you, you remind yourself, no, wait, I am the apple of God's eye, which means there is a shield of protection around me and nothing can get to me. That right there, again, should elevate your understanding about a very common statement that we take probably a little bit for granted sometimes. So that's why I wanted to point that out to you guys tonight. Does that sound good? That's good news, right? Ephesians 2.10, Ephesians 2.10, and for the apple of his eye, Psalm 17.8, Psalm 17.8. And again, there's multiple scriptures in the Bible for some of these. I am just pointing out one or two as basics. Okay, so let's move on on our slide to keep going in our identity in Christ. We're going to go to number seven. This one, I've kind of put a couple of them together because it literally is the entire first half of the chapter of Deuteronomy 28, okay? If you haven't read the first half of Deuteronomy 28, you want to because it tells you who you are is the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. You are the lender and not the borrower. And those are just a few that I pulled out or extracted from that chapter about our identity. Again, how you see yourself is very important because there are days where all of us don't feel like we're above. We kind of feel like we're actually drowning sometimes, right? Underneath the water, underneath the cement, right? We don't feel like we're the head. We, we feel like we're so far in the caboose of the tail sometimes that we can't even see the front of the track, you know? And then, of course, the lender and not the borrower. It's like, mm, I don't know about that one. But here's the thing. This is what God's purpose and plan and promise is for you. We all start out in a season where, yeah, we may need to be the borrowers, but the intention of God is to prosper you in a way to where you can now become the lender. And it's, again, it's just about recognizing that for his children, he wants the best for us, okay? And in that context, a lot of times being continuously the borrower puts you in bondage right? And God doesn't want us to be in bondage. So go and read Deuteronomy 28 and find out what other good things God has said about your positioning. Your positioning is very important 
to your identity. Head and not the tail, above and not beneath, lender, not borrower. Okay? Number eight. This one we are very familiar with too sometimes, but again, it doesn't hurt to be reminded. Reminded that you, remind yourself you are more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. And again, let me break that down just a little bit to give you heightened revelation. Do you know that being made more than, why didn't he just say you're a conqueror? Why didn't he just say that? You know why? Because our God doesn't just do average, right? <laughs> our God doesn't do just getting by. He says you're more than a conqueror, which means before you even go into a battle, you already have the victory, right? Pastor was teaching on that this week, I think, about how it's a fixed fight, right? We have the victory. We're more than a conqueror because we don't ever have to experience defeat as far as God's perfect plan is concerned. So, Anytime you remind yourself of that, remind yourself that you are not just a conqueror who has some wins and some losses. As far as God's concerned, you are more than a conqueror so that you always have victory. You are a victor and not a victim. That's number nine. That goes hand in hand with number eight. Okay, so again, your identity. What's the internal dialogue that you are having with yourself on a regular basis? Okay, you want to align yourself with it because I know I've had times where I've felt victimized. And so my internal dialogue about myself was a victim, you know. Oh, this is happening to me. And why is this happening to me? And all of these questions. And instead of rehearsing the problem, we need to rehearse the solution. And the solution is that we have been made victorious, okay? You are not a victim of any circumstance, and we're going to hopefully get into what you can do about that tonight, okay? Number nine, victor, not a victim. Number 10, again, a statement that seems a little obvious, a reflection of Christ. Your identity, who you are, you, 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 and you, everyone sitting in this room, you are a reflection of Christ. Tony, did you have a question or were you just, okay, just, just wanted to make sure I didn't uh, ignore you over there. Um, but yes, so we all know, right, that the word says in Genesis that we were, what, made in the image and likeness of Christ, right? Okay, so again, when you're standing in that mirror and you're looking at yourself, okay, recognize that you have the reflection, the image of Christ in you. That is who you are. And that's what the world needs to see, right? The world needs to see Christ reflected in us. But unless we take ownership of that identity, we might fail to do that. So I really just want you guys to recognize that, again, you are special. You are special to God. You are made in his very image. And that was from Genesis 1:27. Genesis 1.27. Number 11 here, again. Excuse me, you are blessed. Most of the time we'll come into a meeting or a room and people will say, so how are you today? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, right? We just say that I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Well, what does that mean, right? What does that mean? And again, do we always feel like we're blessed even though we say it? One of the things that I learned is that there's a difference between 
the blessing and blessings. Okay, in the beginning, when God created us, he blessed us, right? That means he empowered us from the very beginning, right? When we accepted Christ and we became a child of God, right? Remember I said that inheritance that we had, right? There's this benefits package that we have. And the blessings that we usually associate with being blessed, we're blessed simply because Christ lives within us, okay? That's the first thing. That's why you are blessed. You are blessed because you have Christ in you. As a result of having Christ in you and following his word and being obedient, the blessings, the things that we really associate with being blessed, right? The house, the car, the family, the friends, the money, the whatever it is that those things that you think of that are tangible, those are the blessings and they are a result of the fact that you are blessed. So that is a, a, a non-movable, non-negotiable state of being blessed. 100% of the time, no matter what you got going on, no matter what's happening, Christ is in you. He's not leaving you. So that statement right there is unchangeable. Your circumstances may change, but you being blessed remains fixed. And as a result, you will receive the blessings of God. So with that being said, let's look at some key points to remember on the next slide, just so that we can wrap up a little bit of this section of, remember, we opened up with who we are in Christ. Key points to remember, number one, your identity, your worth, and your value are all found in Christ alone, period. Never measure your worth and value by anything other than the fact that God loves you and he chose you and he blessed you, okay? It's very important because in this world, sometimes we are so influenced by culture, tradition, right? And even other people's opinions. Question. Yes, okay. we have a question. Because a lot of times we, I don't think so. So we have a question about you struggle with your worth and value because. You know, I felt like go. there was no worthiness in me because I felt like my job was that. I, I it was confusing for me. You know, Indeed. so when I lost my job and my business and everything and the money, I mean, I trusted God and mm -hmm. He got me through it, but I still struggle with the self worth. Yeah. Is there anybody else in the room who can say that they've struggled at times with their worth and value based on what their circumstances were? Right. That's kind of what your question is, Patricia. Right. Okay, and so the point of this, and that, again, this is what the pr point of these classes are. When we get into the word, we have to stay in it for it to be able to flip the script, is like what I like to call it, right? Okay, so you're feeling unworthy or you're feeling devalued because you're in a situation, whether it's, you know, a family situation, money situation, whatever it is, school situation, and you're, you know, you're comparing. See, that's another yeah. thing that happens is we compare ourselves, right? Okay. So again, your identity, and that's why I said the statement itself, 
is very clear. Your worth and your value, okay, as a Christian, the world might tell you differently because the world is going to measure you by those things, right? Where do you live? How much money do you make? You know, what did you, how far did you go in school? None of those things matter to our Lord, okay? And if you can get that first as your foundation, then he's going to help you work through the feelings aspect of it, okay? But I tell you this, I tell people all the time when I share my testimony, when I was at my lowest for me in my life and what I thought was, you know, having lost everything, I was still at peace and I still loved myself because I knew I was still loved by God. And so when I accepted that and I was content, I heard the word content earlier, with who I was in him, then and only then did those circumstances for me start to change, okay? So whatever we go through tonight and whatever you go through in the future, you have to always build from the foundation of what the truth is, and the truth has the power to change your, the facts of your circumstances, okay? So spend some more time with God. This is for all of us in this room because, again, you're not the only one. All of us have felt that way, where our worth and value has been in question because of our circumstances. And for tonight, we're just going to make it a point. You may not see the result right away, the manifestation of a changed feeling, but make a choice. Make a decision first to accept what God says, and then it'll, it'll come. Yes, sir. To add to the sister, um, I had a business. I was making money hand over fist. But I was not happy when I mm. lost it all. And I'm talking all, talking hungry for seven days straight and no friends because I had no money. God woke me up and he says, where are they now? Mm. And then I realized at that very moment, right, my self-worth wasn't about the money in my pocket or the car I was driving. My self-worth was in trusting God. Amen. And I said, Lord, you brought me home when I almost died in another country, and here I am forgetting you. Hmm. And then I'll tell you what. I opened up my Bible and spent three dedicated months, that old Mexican saint on rice, beans, and tortillas, <laughs> right? And I read the Bible three times in three months, cover to cover. And rock, God rocked my world, and he says, where are they now? I says, you and I and the Holy Spirit and Jesus yes. Christ, we are here. That's all you and need. And my whole life changed. You know, when you live the life of money and friends and socialize and lose it all, thank God for it. Because you now know what's not making you happy. But when you regain trust in God and, and God moves you forward and elevates you because you have a mm -hmm. clearer understanding of what joy and happiness is, I am healthier than all my rich so-called friends. Yeah. Yeah. They're all dying and they got money and they can't even buy a kidney. <laughs> God has blessed me. Your blessings, it's not vanity. Let vanity go. Serve the Lord and you will see how enriched you become. And after a while, you don't even think about this stuff. So all I'm saying is trust God when you're at your lowest because when you're at your highest, it's God who. And God will shake you. He will rock your world and take it away and he will open your eyes and then you will find the, the contentment, mm -hmm. the joy 
See, the devil's going to steal your joy. Oh, now I'm going to start preaching. So <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Don't let the devil steal your joy. But Indeed. always keep your joy and, and your focus on God. On God. And the little things won't matter anymore. It's Amen. true. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, and again, we all have our similar experiences and similar stories. So I thank you guys for sharing this because it helps us all feel, you know, again, that we're not alone. And you're not, you know, and maybe not everyone is apt to want to publicly share things, you know. But again, God is speaking to you in your own heart, you know. And when you're talking, you know, it reminds me of the word says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, right? And he will lift you up, right? And it's interesting because as we go through these slides tonight, we're going to get to another section where I told you guys it might be a little controversial, but I think when you have it in proper context, right, and you have the foundation first, remember, we are blessed because of Christ Jesus alone. All those other things, yes, are added benefits to that, but none of that. I used to always say, and I think I read it somewhere, but I experienced it, that until God is all you have, then you know that's all you need, something to that effect, right? You know, but the point of what we do when we're coming to these classes and we're teaching is because ultimately his hope and his will is that we learn these things without necessarily having to go through all of those experiences. Yes, there are some things we're going to have to go through through experiences, just, you know, no way around it. But wisdom says, if you can, wisdom is the best teacher, experience is not. I know that's opposite of what the world says, but for me, I learned that if I could learn from you teaching me and you teaching me first and me teaching you, instead of having to go out there and hit my head against the concrete a couple times to learn, that's a better way, right? But again, we are human and we are going to have those parts of us that aren't going to get it right all the time and God's going to say, okay, <laughs> you got to learn the hard way, right? But I want to make a choice that if, if I can, everything I can do to learn from wisdom first, right? To know him. You know, I was um, talking to someone and I was saying how I was typing out, you know, we always say, Lord, I need you to bless me or I need you to heal me and I need you to prosper me and I need you to change this person and I need you to I said how about this Lord I just need you let's just put a period after that right and just say Lord I just need you because again when we have him all other things what does the Bible say seek first the kingdom of God right and all other things will be added unto you so I think that's the point of what we're making here tonight we're learning how to make us and him the number one priority can we all agree on that there? Is that good? Okay, very, very good. All right, so again, and I thank you guys for your questions, and I know it's kind of hard again in such a short period of time to get in depth, but again, we've got four weeks, right? So we'll be able to hopefully um, get through all of the points here, but I think I covered this here. Know your worth and value in Christ alone. Be careful not to be defined by culture or tradition or other people's opinions, even your own, again, because again, what you say to yourself sometimes doesn't always line up with God's word. Don't allow your feelings to define you, okay? And here's the last one. A healthy, a healthy self-love and self-image is important. Again, there's a scripture that says, um, it's actually in Romans 12:3. It says, let a man not think more highly of himself than he ought to. God didn't say don't think highly of yourself. Again, if you've got the God Almighty living in you, you know, it's in him that we brag, right? Okay, not, in, not of ourselves, 
right? But I can love myself because he first loved me, and that helps me love others. If you don't love you, how can others love you? And that kind of thing. So that's why I put in quotes here, or at least it's not on quotes there, but a healthy self-love, a healthy image based on who you are in Christ is very important. We do not have to be sick and lowly and broke to understand what humility is, because I don't really think that's true humility anyways. I think it's giving God the credit and the glory that he deserves, which is what true humility is. So you are enough. You are enough. You are enough. You are, Miss Patricia, I'm pointing you out, girl. You are enough because God says that you are. So the more you tell yourself that and you go and you find those scriptures, that is what you are going to use to win over those feelings. Okay, so with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, what I'd like to do is move into the second point of this lesson tonight, which is we covered who you are. Now we want to look at what you have. Let's look at what you have as a Christian. Now, again, let me make this sort of, let me preface this here. What you have based on scripture, most of it is going to be what you have access to. Because you may be thinking as we go through some of these here, oh, I don't have that. Because you're looking at tangibly what you have physically, you know, walking by sight and not by faith. This is what you have by faith or that you can access by faith according to the scriptures, okay? And again, I'm going to give a little explanation for each one of these. And hopefully they will make sense. And if they don't, again, just seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to you. So one of the things that I really hope I'm going to actually take time to say about this access thing, let me give you guys a little story. So how many of you have money in the bank right now? I don't care if it's one penny to $10,000. You have money in a bank, right, or a credit, you know, whatnot. Okay. Now, if I were to ask you, do you have money? Even if you don't have it on you, you would probably say, yeah, I have money. We're talking about what you have, right? So we all have money, right? Just because you don't have it on you or with you doesn't mean you don't have it. You know how to access it. You know how to go to the bank, use your little debit card, or fill out a slip, right, and go up to the teller and withdraw what already belongs to you. So that's what I want you guys to kind of think about as we go through these things, is that you guys have all of these things stored up in your heavenly bank, right? And access to it is going to be by your faith. All right, so let's see how that plays out as we go through this list. So number one, what you have, and we talked about this from the beginning, you have Christ himself and the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you right now. Fundamentally, number one, that is what you have, okay? Number two, because you have Christ himself living on the inside of you, you have been given what the Bible says, the mind of Christ, okay? And I pull this out. This is from 1 Corinthians 2.16. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that you have been given the mind of Christ. And I use this scripture a lot because, again, when we're talking about feelings, have you guys ever said yourself or have heard someone say, I'm going to lose my mind. This is going to drive me crazy. 
you know, right? We've said it. We've said it. And I thought about, oh, the Holy Spirit one day said, now listen, do you think the mind of Christ is crazy? Do you think Christ is losing his mind? And I said, well, no, but I am. He said, but Christ is in you, and you have the mind of Christ, right? So he said, don't say that no more. <laughs> and I said, okay, Lord, I'm not going to say that this is driving me crazy or I'm going to lose my mind. Again, as a parent, mm, I've had children, and I have said that many of times. But I said, nope. I have the mind of Christ. I have an individual that I'm working with right now who struggles in school, struggles with, uh, you know, memorizing and, and just understanding. And I said, listen, tell yourself you have the mind of Christ. Christ can help you understand and learn everything you need. Maybe your own natural mind, right, has limitations, but you do not have to settle for that when you have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. So 1 Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. Number three, what you have, each and every one of you in this room, right, has anointing and favor, okay? Anointing and favor. Ladies and gentlemen, when you leave here tonight, you are not going to feel at all deprived with having this list at your fingertips. The anointing and favor of God means that you have a divine empowerment living on the inside of you. Not a natural, okay? Anointing and favor is what you have. Now, this one here, number four, I love this. This is, um, let me make sure I get the scripture reference right here. Did I put it? 2 Timothy 1.7. How many of you guys are familiar that says God has not given us, right, the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There it is again. So again, there's multiple times in the word where we get scripture support of the fact that our minds are supposed to be sound. There's another translation that says a well-disciplined mind, right? Okay, so again, you control this thing up here. God gave you the power, gave you power, love, and a sound mind. This is what you have in spite of what you feel. Okay, this is what you have. Now, Christ himself, power of the Holy Spirit, mind of Christ, anointing of favor, right? Love, power, and sound mind, those are all good. Yes, I'm with you. And then I get to something that says number five, and it says abundant riches. And then sometimes it goes, ah, wait a minute, there's the controversy. What do you mean, Jacques, by abundant riches? Well, again, we don't have time tonight to get into all of it. But let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, when you read this word, as a child of God, biblically speaking, riches is not solely talking about money. It is talking about being rich, which means whole, which means lacking nothing. God says every good and perfect gift he has given to you. So when you hear the word rich, as far as in this context, in any class that I'm teaching, Please understand that what I am talking about is about a comprehensive wholeness, spirit, soul, and body, okay? And we live in a natural world where, let's be real, money is needed, okay? So let's not get into bondage about money being only what is talking about here. But he is talking about money. Let's be real, okay? So I want you guys to understand that as his child, he wants to equip you to be in position 
to be able to be a blessing to the world. And the only way we can do that in this world is if we are whole ourselves. Christ died for us to have the abundant life, which included all of those things as far as his perfect will for us. He blessed many of his children in the Bible with riches, more than enough. He says, even if you have, you know, I don't know how many of you in here are tithers, but if you are, God says that he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing, you will not have room enough to receive it. That means I, I, I got so much, I got to give it away. I have to, you know? And so that's what I want you to just kind of get your mindset of, don't settle for just enough for me. That, that's not, we serve a big God, okay? We serve a big God, and he wants you to be a blessing to someone else. So think of rich in the terms of totality or comprehensiveness, wholeness, nothing lacking, so that you can help meet the needs of others and bring glory to God's name. Can we agree with that, that that's okay? All right, and again, there's several scriptures in the word. Um, one thing I'll just highlight with that, you know, a lot of times people talk about the, um, the story. You guys have heard of the rich young ruler, right? Okay, and so this young man comes to Christ and says, what is it that I have to do to inherit the kingdom of God? He says, you know, go and sell everything you have. And he was like, oh, I didn't think that's what you were going to say, you know, can I? But here's the point. The problem was not that this young man had riches. The problem was that the riches had him. Where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Again, this is about making God first place where you can do without all of those things. If he were to ask you to give it up you in a heartbeat, you say, for you, Lord, I'll give it up, right? If he can trust you to do that, then he can trust you um, to take on more things. It's about avoiding making money an idol, okay? The love of money is the root of all evil, not just money itself. So again, I just had to plug that in there because it is a part of what you have, okay? Because you need to declare that you have abundance in that regard. So I'm going to have to keep going a little bit faster through these things. So again, if you guys have questions, uh, please feel free to raise your hands. But if we don't get to them tonight, write them down and perhaps we can address them in week two, because I really want to get through these. Number eight, this is really, really important. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay, we're all familiar with the fruit of the Spirit, but do you know that you have it? Like in you right now, all nine of these precious gifts are in you right now? Love, joy, peace, patience, patience, goodness, <laughs> gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, and again, self-control. The inheritance package that you got when you became a child of God included all nines of these gifts. They're in us. So if they're in us and we're not really experiencing, what's the problem? Well, we need to ask and praise for the Lord to help us operate in those gifts. Lord, help me walk in love. Help me walk in patience. Help me be kind, right? Help me be self-disciplined and self-controlled because it's in me. But a lot of times things are just lying dormant there, right? We got to activate those things, right? But they're already there. When you can see it that way, it changes your perspective. It changes how you deal with things in life because you're not sitting waiting for something to come down in heaven you realize it's on the inside of you and all you got to do is open up your mouth and declare it in jesus name okay so everybody declare that they have these nine gifts of the fruit of the spirit in them right now i say lord i thank you you have given me i have patience 
I have self-control. Okay, so that's from Galatians 5, 22 and 23, fruit of the Spirit. That's what we have, guys, okay? What else do we have? Oh, my goodness, Jeremiah 29, 11 says God has given us all a purpose and a plan, right? And a calling for our lives. Again, we know the scriptures, we quote it, but the purpose of why I'm highlighting it here tonight is because I want you guys to leave here knowing and declaring beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter what's going on in your life right now, God has a purpose and a calling for you. That's what you have, okay? There's no question. There's no question about it, all right? You have a purpose and a calling. Again, all of us have the same general purpose to glorify God, but how you do that, that's your specific calling, right? And that's what you need to pray and ask God to reveal to you so that, again, you are blessed to be a blessing to someone else. So declare that you have a purpose and a calling on your life. And number 10, I put this just in a general term, victory. We all like that. Hey, I have victory, but you know what? You do. You have it already. You have the victory, right? The battle belongs to the Lord. So no matter what it is, and again, there are tons and tons and tons of examples and scriptures in this book that you can go to to stand on. And every single day, remember, you are not a victim. You are a victor. You are victorious. You are victorious. Okay, you have the victory. There's a thing that my pastor used to say, we as believers, we as Christians, right, we are not fighting for victory. We're not fighting to get the victory. We're fighting from victory. We're fighting to protect the victory we already have. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed protecting your healing against sickness. There is a mindset, ladies and gentlemen, that I want you guys to leave here with tonight based on what these are. It is a declaration based on what the word says, and it has nothing to do with what you see or how you feel. Amen? All right. All right. So we have victory. We have all of these things. And of course, this is not an exhaustive list. I forgot to say that earlier in the beginning, too, when it was what we have now, or who we are, and now what we have. There's plenty more. But again, just for time's sake, we're only touching on a few here tonight, okay? But just so you know, every promise of the word, every promise of the word is in here, and that's what you have access to by faith. We're good there? All right, so with that being said, I have one more slide here for you guys, and it's about what you can do, all right? And I think since we started about five minutes late, I got five more minutes to go here. So let's see how we do with this one here. What you can do as a believer. Oh, my. We all know this. Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, we love to quote that one, right? Until something happens. And then we're worrying and we're doubting and we're, you know, whining and crying and complaining. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you can do all things through Christ. Well, here's the thing. You have to, like I said, I use this word a lot, take ownership of, declare it to be, right? It's the walking by faith and not by sight. You can overcome all things. When it says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, it's an overcoming statement. So that means whatever comes your way, you can overcome it through the power of Christ Jesus. That's, of course, Philippians 4.13. Anything that threatens your destiny from becoming a reality, you have the right to declare it to be gone, 
all right? And with that being said, that leads to number two that talks about what you can do. You can use your authority. You can use your authority to do two things, and these are just two things, resist temptation and bind and rebuke the enemy. So again, in the world, it's very tempting for us to say, oh, I can't do this, right? Or this is too hard, or I don't know, or whatever the excuses is, the Bible tells us that you have been given authority. Authority. And this is one thing, again, we'll probably have to have a whole other class about walking in the authority that God gave you, right, to declare what's rightfully yours. Don't just take anything that the enemy tries to bring your way. You know, you have the ability to reject that thing through the authority that God has given you in Christ Jesus. You can resist temptation. The word says there's not nothing that's going to come upon you that he hasn't already given you a way of escape for. You just need to find that way of escape. You need to declare that thing, right? And then the Bible says, you guys have ever heard people quote and misquote the Bible, and they'll say, you know what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's James 1, excuse me, 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes. And then they'll come to me and they say, I've been doing that and he is not leaving. I said, did you read the first part of that scripture? It actually says, submit yourselves to God. Therefore, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So remember, all of these things we're talking about tonight, when you go back and look at your word, read them in context, read them fully, right? Because again, otherwise you will be deceived into thinking, this isn't working, right? And then the only way we lose, ladies, remember how I said you guys have victory? The only way you lose is if you forfeit. And we ain't forfeiting because we're not quitters, right? We're going to stand until we learn, until we get the truth, until we see manifestation. But do not forfeit the authority that's been given you to bind and rebuke the enemy. That means everything that comes with that, sickness, disease, uh, persecution, attack, whatever it is, whatever it is, low self-esteem, whatever it is, you can resist it and you can, re you can re bind the enemy. All right, now, number three, and again, I know this is, is really a lot to take in, but when you do your own private personal studies, God is going to really, really enhance your, your knowledge about this. I love this last one because, again, when it talks about achieve success, in this context, ladies and gentlemen, we're not talking about it just the way the world talks about success. Again, we're talking about you being fully activated in the purposes of God for your life, okay? There is a scripture, many scriptures, again, that talk about how God wants us to succeed, but one of the ones is in Joshua 1.8, where God says, you know, this book here of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may do according to all that is commanded in here, for then you will deal wisely and have good success. Okay, so again, he's not saying those things are above his word, but there are some benefits to being obedient to his word. And one of those things is achieving a lifestyle of success in whatever way that means that you are fulfilling the call that God has made on your life. You can obtain every promise of his word through faith and patience according to the scriptures. So again, my whole point in bringing all this to you guys tonight as far as who you are, what you have, and what you can do is so that we serve notice on the enemy that this group right here, 
is off limits to him. And not only that, anything and anyone concerning us is off limits to him because we have the knowledge, we're gaining understanding, and we're going to execute it, and that's called wisdom. And wisdom is the highest gift that we can achieve and receive from God. And so I pray that all of these things come together. And even if you just take one, take one, master that thing, right? And then add on to it whatever is most applicable to you in your life right now, as far as who you are, what you have, and what you can do. You may have heard these things over and over, but take something new today that is going to be able to help you elevate for his glory so that all the world will know that there is a God in heaven and he is alive and well. Amen? And he's coming back. In case they didn't know, he's coming back. So, with that being said, I have a quick conclusion here just to wrap up. Remembering that everything I said about who you are, what you have, and what you can do, the most important thing is to know that knowing who we are starts with knowing who God is, right? You got to know him. You got to spend time with him. He needs to be able to reveal himself to you individually, you know, for so long, well, you know, especially when we're younger, we vicariously get to know God through our parents and our grandparents and our pastors and things like that. But he wants a relationship with you. And when you know who he is, then you'll better know who you are, okay? Because we have the characteristics, or we share his, his characteristics in doing that. And God is love, God is faithful, God is gracious, God is almighty. You know, he is our redeemer, he is our savior. There is nothing that you cannot do without, with God's help. Okay, so next week, what we're going to do, and I invite you all to come back and bring someone with you, we're going to talk more specifically about our purpose. Remember how I said one of the things that we have is a purpose and a calling, okay? And there's a few things that we're going to look at that are going to highlight what our purpose for being here is and what God wants us to do, because when we walk in that, again, it changes, it changes everything, Okay, so we're going to take a closer look at our purpose in Christ. I don't want you guys to forget that this is a Bible study, right? So that means that study becomes a lifestyle, all right? This is something that we should be doing in our own time, devotions, morning, noon, night, whatever it is that you have. Don't let the only time that you go to God be on a Sunday morning or once a week. Let this be something that you do constantly. Be talking to him and have conversation with him about what you've learned here tonight. And then, again, invite a family member, invite a friend. Somebody needs to hear this message that we had tonight. So my question is, was that a blessing to you guys tonight? I appreciate you guys. You guys were with me from beginning to end. We even had, you know, engagement, and hopefully we'll be able to have some more of that next time. But remember, when you leave here tonight, you know who you are, right? You know beyond just the, the title and the roles that we have in life. We are God's masterpiece and his child. So with that being said, um, Pastor, do you want me to close out tonight in prayer? Okay, so we're going to have announcements after, but just really quickly, I want to um, say a closing prayer and make sure that you guys are all set to go. So if you could just bow your heads really quickly. Father God, we just come to you together on one accord this evening. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory and adoration for what you have done and continue to do in our lives, Lord God. We thank you for this privilege and opportunity to fellowship with one another as we are led and taught by your precious Holy Spirit, the truth of your word. We thank you that you have now, Father God, helped us to have uh, open ears and receptive hearts to new revelation that will empower us to go out and be 
soldiers for Christ, Lord God, to, to be reflections of your son in the earth and be the answer uh, for those that are lost, Lord God. May it help us to minister to those in a way that they get to know who you are, that they love you and serve you and you alone all the days of their lives. So as we leave here tonight, Lord God, I just thank you that you've already set the path before us to ensure our safety and well-being. We thank you for your angels that are encamped around about us, Lord God. We thank you for your precious word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Father God, uh, for all that you have done, and we worship you simply for who you are. So these things we commit to you collectively on one accord in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for your attendance here tonight. I look forward to seeing you guys next week, and I pray it was a blessing to you. Thank you very much. Amen.